Welcome to Astrology Bites. This is your host, Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Astrology for Real Life, a no BS guide for the Astro Curious. And I'm your host for this podcast series. If you're curious about astrology, you are definitely in the right place. This is episode 134 of Astrology Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on astrology. <clears throat> Excuse me. I got to start that over. <clears throat> I should have taken that sip of tea. Sorry about that. Well, I'm going to drink some water, too. Yeah. All right. Let me do that over. Thank God for editing. Welcome to Astrology Bites. This is your host, Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Astrology for Real Life, a no BS guide for the Astro Curious. I'm also your host for this podcast series. If you're curious about astrology, you are definitely in the right place. This is episode 134 of Astrology Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on astrology. My goal is to make astrology feel simple, clear, fun, and totally applicable to your everyday life. All right, let's get to today's episode. Today we're talking about post-colonial astrology, and my special guest is the author of this book, Alice Sparkly Cat. Welcome, Alice. Hi, Teresa. Thanks for having me here. It's Thank good to see you again. It's so good to see you. You've been on my podcast before, and I'm super excited to have you on again because I've read your book, Postcolonial Astrology. Um, the subtitle is Reading the Planets Through Capital, Power, and Labor. I think this is a really important book. I've never read an astrology book like this. I've read your other books too, which also are really uh, thought provoking and so, so important. But this is. This is a book I think every astrologer needs to read. I also think it's a book that tarot readers need to read because tarot and astrology are often very linked. And the topic here is something that, you know, I don't think a lot of people, I mean, maybe people are thinking about it, but they're not. So the book is coming out. When is the book coming out? And by the way, congratulations on this book. Thank you. Yeah. And thank, I mean, thanks for reading and thanks for your words too. Yeah, I mean, the book will be out May 18th. Yeah, so like um, that Tuesday, pre-orders are open. So you can pre-order it. Um, yeah, you know, if you head to my website, alicebarkleycat.com slash postcolonial astrology, you'll be able to pre-order through Mil Mundos. Um, and they're a, they're a bookstore, but they're also a mutual aid network. So um, if you live in the U.S. where Puerto Rico, you can order through them. But if you live internationally, like you can get this wherever you get books. So just call your local bookstore, have them stock it super easy. Excellent. So before we start talking about the book and um, the topic behind it, I would like to know, how did you get into astrology? What, what led you here? Yeah, I got into astrology in like 2014, 2015-ish, that period. I mean, I was going through some stuff with my personal life and astrology just really helped me. But I mean, how I found it was probably through like Yahoo Answers, um, like going through the astrology section, the Strand, um, and at, uh, East Village Books, they have a huge astrology section. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, at the time there, like there wasn't so much stuff online with it. I feel right. like actually, like, you know, when you Googled stuff, you mostly got like Yahoo Answers kind of things. Yeah. And now astrology has exploded 
Yeah. I mean, I've been into astrology for 40 years. And I remember back in the day, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get a book or trying mm -hmm. to get your hands on anything required a little bit of effort. Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, online, there are so, and there's so many books coming out now. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, like kind of mind boggling for me how popular mm -hmm. it's become. Yeah. And so your topic, I mean, your book, Post-Colonial Astrology, like I said, this is a book that I've never read a book like this before. I think it's very brilliant. And uh, once again, you're putting out some information here that's making people think, and we need to think. We don't want to be um, mindless when we do our astrology. So I want to know, first of all, how did you get inspired to write this book? Yeah. So, I mean, I wanted to make the book because working with astrology over the years, I feel like there's some questions that always come up. Uh, which is like, well, you know, how does Western astrology work? Like, how does it work differently than other astrologies? Um, why do we use that here on, um, you know, on in the United States when it was kind of centering wrong um, questions like, well, if it's climate based, then does it work in the global south? Questions like, well, what about climate change? Because um, like so much of Western astrology or tropical astrology is climate based. Um, so, like, you know, the book starts out with those questions and, like, none of them are answered, too. Um, but the book, it just, it, like, it asks, well, what's Western astrology? Like, what can we use it to talk about um, and what we can use it for? Um, so that's kind of where the book started. So when you say the book is that astrology, tropical astrology is climate-based, yeah. how would you explain that to, like, a layman in the simplest mm -hmm. terms? Yeah, yeah. So tropical astrology, it's climate-based because it has to do with seasons. It has to do with where the sun is, spring, summer, fall, winter, like this kind of thing. It doesn't actually look at the constellations in the sky. Ah, okay. And do and are there astrology, uh, different types of astrology that look at the constellations in the sky? Um, could you tell my audience what those ones would be? Yeah, yeah. There's sidereal. So yeah, it looks at the constellations in the sky. There's a lot of different types of cosmologies. There's yes. cosmologies that look at like, you know, negative space between stars. Um, there's cosmologies that look at the, uh, like the cycles of Jupiter a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And I know Dana Lynn Knuckles of the People's Oracle works with sidereal astrology and I follow mm -hmm. her work really closely. And I, I always find it so fascinating. It's very different than tropical astrology, which is what I've cut my teeth on. Mm -hmm. Which astrology do you use the most often? Yeah, I use tropical. I use tropical because I'm using the Western system. And then by using that, I'm like I'm trying to start a conversation with people about the West. Um, yes. That's what the sessions are mostly about. So I use tropical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, that's, again, the one I've cut my teeth on. So it's the one that I've stuck with, mm -hmm. even though I'm fascinated with the sidereal astrology. It's like, well, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes so what you start with is what you end up sticking with, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about um, post-colonialism. Um, could you explain to my audience, first of all, what is colonialism if people don't know what it is? And what is post-colonialism? What does that mean? Yeah, well, colonialism, it's an ongoing process. It's happening today. Um, and like, well, yeah, colonialism is when, uh, you know, one region has political, economic, social control over another region. So, you know, there's, um, yeah, there's many forms of colonialism. Um, Post-colonialism is uh, like kind of a genre of academic theory that responds to colonialism. And there's there's a lot of thinkers that are um, like kind of associated with post-colonialism, Frantz Fanon, um, Sylvia Winter. Um, 
and like, yeah, so post-colonial, like, you know, the name, it's a little bit off because it implies that there's an end to colonialism when that's not true. But it's, yeah, the post is about responding to colonialism. Right. And you mentioned some of in the book, uh, some of those people in this book, too. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting reading their thoughts on a lot of uh, the topic of colonialism in here. So. Um, I know that the those names are very familiar to me because of your book. So, but so let's talk about though. Um, how do you apply post-colonial theory to astrology? I think that is going to be something people are probably thinking. Well, how does this go together with astrology? Yeah, well, it's not that far-fetched actually, because if you look at some of the writings inside of post-colonial, um, you know, just you know, texts. You'll see, well, Sylvia Winter talks about the spirit flesh divide. I mean, that's about fate and fortune, right? Uh, the sun and the moon, yeah. And then Frantz Fanon talks about the self and the other, this idea of I mean, rulership and um, being like being in um, adversity to something. So, like, the ideas are actually like all within post colonial thought. Um, and the reason is because, I mean, astrology, these magical things, like it's so foundational to the making of the West, too. Right. Absolutely. And I think a lot of us don't think about that. You know, we just we hear certain things about our history, but a lot of it has been pretty much whitewashed. So we don't often go much deeper and try to ask these questions like, how did this all come about? What did, what made the West? So this is stuff that I think, you know, is really good to question and to study and to research and you put a lot of research into this book by the way it's a very deep book so one of the things that got me there's a couple things in the book that were really getting my attention you wrote about venus and i've got it on page 127 and i just remember kind of having my mind blown by this i just have to read it here i've got the book you can see i've got the book all marked up on different things oh. i thought were really interesting oh i have the book over here too Yeah, and you said on page 127, uh, in Rome, Venus is a war goddess. And in contemporary astrology, Venus gets attached to peace and abundance. And I was just kind of, I had to like put the book down and think about that. Um, I mean, could you speak about Venus as a war goddess? We don't think about Venus like that at all. We associate it with pleasure and, you know, romance. So war and Venus, that's like, whoa, what, tell me more about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, before I started doing the research, like I didn't really think about Venus as a war goddess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Venus is a war goddess. And the reason for that is because Venus and Mars, they have to do with gender. They have to do with the ways that gender is always being you know, reproduced, remembered. Um, and like, you know, where gender where gender originates is this idea of like well cities like nations they're gendered when they're under siege so then the the um domestic sphere that becomes kind of more feminine and then the people who are seen as invaders like they become like they're they're seen as more masculine um so that's where gender is coming from it's coming from a place of war um like gender it's not talking about personal experience it's actually talking or it's yeah it's like it's making this relationship that's fundamental to you know ideas around the civil state versus the martial state um so yeah gender itself is about war well that's very fascinating to me you know we 
I mean, that's something, you know, I don't think a lot of people probably know, um, but very fascinating. I, and again, the whole thing about Venus as a war goddess and what you've written here about war was really blowing my mind. I had to put the book down. I had to think about it. Mm-hmm. So that was, which is good. I like it when a book makes me think. There's another thing too about the sun you wrote. Now, I want to make sure because I got these, I got them all marked down. So you wrote about the British Empire was often imagined through the sun. And the British Empire was a place upon which the sun would never set. And you also say that that Japan, too, was also described through the images of the sun. So both empires use the sun to describe empires a thing that emanates outward. Um, and you also say both other empires as multicultural. Empires see themselves as the organizers of multiculturalism. Can you speak more about that? I mean, that's yeah. fascinating also to me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, this is, um, I mean, this was kind of like, I mean, this has to do with the United States, too, because right. the United States, it kind of sees itself as multicultural. Um, like, that's part of the colonialism of the United States, is that it erases indigeneity because it tries to assimilate indigeneity as multiculturalism. Um, so, like, you know, I feel like there's this idea of, like, well, empires, you know, it's, like, strong, authoritative, um, monolithic, um, but it's that's not always the case. Like, what empires try to do is that they try to define and then also control diversity. Mm-hmm. So how do you think then when you look at, at the sun through that, um, through that theory, and we look at Venus as a war goddess, how mm-hmm. do you think that impacts then astrology, like an astrology reading? Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, in, with the readings, we're talking about all this stuff, you know, we're processing how people relate to gender, how people relate to authority, Uh, things like that. Uh, So it really, it depends on the person because for one person, like maybe the sun is about work, um, about work, about, you know, workplace, maybe for someone it's about their, you know, biological father. Um, That's like kind of the traditional reading of it. Um, Right. But like the concept of dad, how you internalize father, like that doesn't always have to do with your biological dad all the time too. Um, But yeah, we're talking, yeah, we're talking a lot about just, what these concepts are, what these archetypes are, how they're internalized, like, you know, when they change. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The other one that I wanted to look at was about Jupiter um, being seen, I think it was like Saturn or Jupiter was being seen as luck. And it was, it also kind of like, what? I had to like wrap my head around it. Um, But anyhow, I had the note written down here somewhere. but it was like, I think Saturn was fortune. And I thought, well, wait a minute. In We always think like Jupiter is like big and lucky. Why? How is Saturn like fortune? How can you explain that? Well, the Saturnia, um, Saturnalia, I don't know how to say it, but like, you know, that thing where they celebrate Saturn. They're playing dice. They're gambling. Um, so Saturn doesn't have to do with fortune per se, but Saturn is like usually read in relationship to the moon because their cycles imitate each other. Right. Um, it's a 27 day cycle for the moon. It's a 28 year cycle for Saturn. Um, so like, yeah, the moon is actually about fortune. Um, but then with Saturn, there's this element of like nature being almost well capricious, um, Capricorn. Um, yeah, yes. Saturn rules Capricorn of like, I mean, just uncertainty um, and precarity in terms of nature. Uh, yeah, Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter, we associate with luck 
in Western astrology, but that's like always been confusing for me because in Chinese astrology, like like the Jupiter return, it's supposed to be your unluckiest year too, which really? is the total opposite here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I that is like I I you know Jupiter return. We we always mm-hmm. heard like this is the big thing. It's going to be all your luck and all the opportunity. So mm-hmm. in the Chinese astrology, it. It's your bad luck here. Yeah, it's your worst luck here. Um, like you know, you have to do you have to do some protective stuff. Yeah. Well, that is really interesting to me, mm-hmm. and so that again, it turns everything on its head. Yeah. And suddenly, that's why with this book, it's like there were times where I was like, "Let me mark this off and think about this." And the idea of Saturn being associated with gambling and the Moon being associated with fort. I mean, this is really interesting, and I just think again, you're. You're really bringing some information here that um, I've never heard anyone talk about things like this. Mm. So it certainly makes you look at those planets a little bit differently than what we're used to. And I've been looking at the planets pretty much the same way for the last 40 years. So that's very interesting to me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. So um, the other thing I wanted to ask you, there's, I mean, I just got to keep going back to different things in the book because I've got so many things marked off here. Um, you said on page 302, I love this too. Um, I just want to make sure that I read it right. Don't use Western astrology to talk about your own stuff. Don't use it to try to talk to your ancestors. It's not made for that. And you don't need anything Western to do that. I think that's really interesting. Um, you're saying basically that you shouldn't use it to just talk about your own stuff. You want to speak more about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like this question, well, what is Western astrology? Like, what is it good at talking about? Yeah, it's good at talking about the West. So it's a great tool for talking about, you know, your relationships to institutions, to gender, um, to the nuclear family sometimes. Um, but it's not great at talking about everything. Right. Um, so like, yeah, for example, like when I was interacting with my grandparents to even kind of like get their Western signs, you have to do so many calculations because they don't they don't know their Gregorian calendar birthday. They only know their lunar calendar birthday. So there's this feeling of like, well, why do I need to know my grandparents through this Western language, too? Yeah. So you so when you do readings, do you use both Chinese and uh, Western astrology? No, because. You know, I'm living in the West. A lot of my clients are, you know, located in the West. Got so it. we're talking about our relationships in the West, um, like to the West. Um, and then a lot of people who are not located in the West, like, you know, because of global hegemony, like there is like there's sometimes still um, like a relationship. Like it makes sense to talk about institutions with a lot of people, for example. Yeah, I think you're totally right on that. And the other thing you say here on the same page is, speaking of the West, the West is a story. It is a dream within a dream. And our job as astrologers is not to tell the story of the West better or to tell more stories using the West's vocabulary, but to acknowledge that the story of the West was built by real histories of pain. The West may be a story, but your trauma is real. I thought that was so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Uh, Could you speak a little bit more about that too? Yeah, the dream within a dream. I was reading Freud's uh, Four Dreams About Rome, 
Because like so much about, I mean, the book, it's not really this history of like, you know, ancient Roman astrology or anything. It's just about how Rome is remembered as an idea and a vision. Um, I mean, in our contemporary day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, like Freud had these four dreams about Rome and he was remembering Rome in different ways. And then like part of the four dreams, like, you know, it was about his relationship to living as a Jewish person in Germany at the time. Um, and, and like, you know, each of the four dreams, like it just, it kind of paints a different like emotional dynamic with Rome. Yeah. So here's something I want to ask you too. Um, I mean, I, I love that. I also just think your writing is so beautiful that that really moved me. Um the other thing I would ask, like to ask, um, you know, so many astrology books that are out there, including mine, mm-hmm. you know, we still are based on all the old traditions, all the ways that we've just been taught to do it for so long without even thinking about it in this book. Obviously, it's going to make people think about things. So, and tarot books, again, for that matter, are also based on a certain thing that is out of Italy. So a lot of the knowledge and stuff is all this old stuff, but we never questioned it. So what do we need to keep in mind as astrologers or tarot readers when we are reading information and not thinking maybe perhaps of, of like the stuff you've written in this book? I mean, what is some of your advice for us going forward so we could be more thoughtful maybe in what we're writing or what we are consuming? Yeah. Well, I mean, astrology is a living language. So it's something that's shaped by the circulation. It's not shaped by like, you know, any origin, any one origin. Um, so like, that's what, that's what this is kind of about too, because like ancient Greece, ancient Rome, they weren't Western at the time, but then they're remembered as Western. Right. So the way that we practice astrology, it, I mean, it moves the language, it reshapes it. Um, so yeah and like you know when we're practicing I feel like it's super important to actually keep in mind that like as practitioners like we're making something too we're not really um, like always subscribing to something that has always been there in the same form but we're always yeah we're making something new so what advice then would you have for practicing Mm -hmm. astrologers on issues around gender, white supremacy, and colonization. I mean, how can we move forward into the future with astrology and with our clients in a way that's going to be helpful and um, that's going to change things for the better? Yeah, that's a really big question. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Um, It's a huge question. I mean, but your book, the interesting thing about your book and your book it's, it has questions in it, but then it sparks more questions. And I found myself thinking about that, like, well, what are we going to do now? You know, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm so glad that you're asking this question. Yeah. And the book, it doesn't try to answer that question. Like, it's actually, like, it's meant for practicing astrologers to use. I mean, tarot readers can use it too, but I'm I'm not an academic. Like, I'm not studying astrology from the outside. Um, yeah, I'm an astrologer. So it's, yeah, it's written to be useful for people who are like, you know, who are using the language actually. Right. Well, I think what it's, it's doing, it's helping to give new layers of meaning. And again, it's a thought provoking book. And if you're not thinking, well, then there's something wrong. We need to be thinking and asking these questions and really bringing a lot of consciousness into the way we're working with clients and also 
you know, the way we're working with the collective too. And I think that your book really does help that. Um, I mean, if I had to ask you too, what do you hope to achieve or change with this book? What would be your answer to that? I think that something that I hope to do with the book is to give people a way to talk about um, like issues that actually affect their lives through the language of astrology. Yeah, well, I think you're doing that. And again, and you're also making people think, which is I thank you very important because we never want to be completely like, you know, not questioning any of this stuff, not questioning all the stuff that's been out there. And I think that's one of the things that, um, and also your other books too, they make people question stuff. And I think that is mm. an art and really important. And I think that this book is going to give people a lot to chew on. And we're going to be talking about this book for a long time to come. So I want to thank you for writing it. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, thank you for reading it. And yeah, and just I mean, all your thoughtful questions too. Well, you can see that I've, I've been marking this book up with all my little tabs and stuff. So there's a lot that I, I will be revisiting also because this is one of those books that it begs you to go back and read it or put it down for a minute and to think about it. And that's always to me the mark of a really good book. So again, it's really, really interesting. And I'm Thank just you. grateful that you wrote it because I always want stuff that's going to make me question things. I'm a Gemini. Of mm -hmm. course, I want to question everything. So your book really does help me to do that. So mm -hmm. now if people want to work with you or if they want to grab the book. I know you mentioned it before, but could you just mention again, mm -hmm. where can they work with you? Where can they learn about this book and all of your other books? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my website is alicesparklycat.com and that's cat with a K. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's a link to the book, like right in the main uh, navigation menu. Um, yeah, you can read it. You can read the introduction actually on my website. So if you just want to kind of look, take a peek. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for taking some time out of, I know you're busy, um, time out of your day to speak with me about your book. And uh, once again, I want to thank you also for writing it. So thank you so much, Alice. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for your time. All right, people. Well, first of all, before I sign off, I'm going to tell you to get this book because it is go you're going to do the same thing that I've done. You're going to mark it off. You're going to put it down. You're going to come back to it. You're going to think. You're going to ask questions, which you should always be doing because we want to remain curious and open and we never want to get stuck in those old ways of thinking. So definitely get it. It's Postcolonial Astrology, Reading the Planets Through Capital. Power and Labor by Alice Sparkly Cat. All right, and that's all for today's episode. And if you are enjoying the show, I would love it. If you would do me a solid and get on over to iTunes and leave a kind review because it helps more people discover the show. And of course, you know, I appreciate it. And for more fun stuff, head over to my website, thetarolady.com. You'll find tons of resources about tarot and astrology, including my free monthly forecasts and horoscopes and so much more. Again, that's thetarolady.com. I will see you there. And remember, no matter what's going on in the cosmos today, ultimately, you are in charge of your life. You're in the driver's seat. If you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change the course. You're the boss. You've got that power. Be kind to yourself and others and make smart decisions. And I'll see you in the next episode.